Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Today, we have Joseph Williams, the developer behind the upcoming title known as Mecha Jammer. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me on, Josh. I'm okay. I'm so glad you could make it because I don't know how I hadn't found this game before <laughs> like it seems so up my alley it's so gritty it's so dark there's all this rpg elements to it like i'm i'm very excited to talk about this game and to to play this game uh oh, thanks, hope, hopefully soon no yeah of course of course it looks great um but before we get into the game i always love to start these episodes with just you know getting to know the people behind the games because i think a lot of times we look at games and we're like wow this is magic and no one really <laughs> thinks about the actual people creating it or that there are people like there's this idea of just like games just show up, right? Like people don't work on it. Games just pop up into the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to I want to get away from that. I want to know the people. So, Joseph, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get into game creation? Ooh, uh, well, good question. I guess uh, it's me and my wife, uh, Hannah, who unfortunately can't be here. She's a little under the weather with allergies. But we started making games in 20, geez, 2013, I want to say. No, it's been uh, a while. Yeah, we've been uh, scrappily making games for a while in a little garage <laughs> band kind of lifestyle. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got married and that same year we kind of uh, quit our more standardized nine to five jobs and started doing this. Started. Wow. Uh, did you did you do anything uh, like you know, for your standard nine to five job in the realm of video games or were you just like, fuck it, we're, we're doing games now? Uh, you know, we both did a little bit of uh, I guess kind of all the parts to it, uh, we, you know, as most startup kind of indie games are, you know, we're all essentially just small businesses at this point, but, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. we kind of, you know, you have to wear a lot of shoes. And so fortunately Hannah had done some coding and she was in marketing in Chicago. We're both in Chicago now, but, uh, and I was doing art for a casino company. So kind cool. of art. Uh, but I was, I was doing art and stuff before that. And I went to college for, I got my BNA and, Oh, animation and everything, traditional animation. So we, we kind of had the art and the programming side done with everything. Um, yeah, good combo, good combo. Yeah, you got the big ones. And then um, we just have to contract out for audio stuff. And we we take care of everything else ourselves. So it's pretty it's pretty scrappy. Um, Look <laughs> at that garage band kind of feel for it. And it's kind of been that way for the past however many years since then. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, so kind of looking at how you've, you know, you've had some good time uh, of, of working in this field or, or having that garage band feeling. Um, <laughs> how, how long have you been working on this current game though? Current game has probably been on and off since we had a Kickstarter for it after our previous game released, which is like a kind of Gothic fantasy real time with pause thing. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the Kickstarter I think was in later 2016 and we've kind of been on and off with this one kind of developing uh, tools and you know learning stuff and being able to share that experience and fortunately we've been having the opportunity to kind of like take our time with it uh right which right it's been great because we've been able to make a, a product that we really like and believe in and stuff so um a little bit of time but yeah finishing up now um 
<laughs> That's awesome. Um, I I wish Hannah was here because I, I always have a question anytime I hear that couples work together and it's like they're, they're the main people uh, behind <laughs> the, the, the game that's being created because it seems so nuts to me that um, like I love my wife. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I don't know that I'd be able to work with her nonstop and then also be like, okay, well now that I've worked with you for the entire time, I'm also going to spend the rest of my time here too. Like, do you ever get a little bit of like, I don't know that cabin fever is the right word for it, but like a little bit of like frustration when something doesn't go right. Cause you're like, I'm always with this person. Yeah. You know, we've asked, we've been asked that question before. We, we obviously like hanging out together. We've been doing it daily because you know we've been working from home since 2013 so right um that's just kind of gotten used to it but as far as cabin fever you're not off on the mark in that i think <laughs> we move uh we originally were in chicago uh, when like we met mm-hmm. and i think to kind of maybe deter cabin fever i did this beforehand but now i'm using it as, as an excuse we would usually move maybe every year or maybe every other year and we started to just kind of get more drastic with it. Like we kind of moved to Seattle for a little bit. Huh. And we moved, we lived there for a couple of years. We uh, kind of flipped a house and we lived in that for a little bit, got out of oh, there, cool. wow. went to some of the cool neighborhoods. And then we kind of made our way back to Chicago. We lived in a couple of places in between. <laughs> and now we're back in Chicago. So we deter the cabin fever pretty well. It's a little extreme, yeah. but we don't mind hanging out together. That's never been a problem. But we kind of that- get sick of our apartments. Um, <laughs> and we didn't really like is... living in a house either so it's kind of like eh, eh. yeah yeah that is hilarious though because that is very much an extreme like i just got to get out of here but yeah. like forever out of here <laughs> <laughs> i'm leaving actually for good yeah i think i think the country might be the next step we might go uh, wow might really go, uh, and so you're doing bonds. all of you're doing all of this Meanwhile, working on these games, correct? Like this is, you've been doing this throughout the entirety of like this game and the other games you've been working on. How, how is that not incredibly distracting? Oh, you get pretty good at it. I can probably be in and out of this apartment. If I had to move tomorrow, I could probably pack this place up in like maybe a day and be ready to go. All right. We're, well, the next time I need to move, I'll give you a call. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the East Coast move is a little bit of a hike. We're, we're, you know, coming from Chicago, you kind of stay north and you kind of go through a whole wasteland and then you finally get there. But yeah, the drive takes a little bit of time and yeah, you yeah, move it. Sure. We don't keep a lot of stuff on hand, so it's just a bunch of computers in a bed. So <laughs> That's awesome to hear. All right, let's let's dive into the actual game though, because um, I want to spend some time on this. Mecha Jammer. This is such an interesting game for me personally, anyway. Um, but for those who might not know anything about it, right? Give me your your elevator pitch. You're like, this is what makes it special. Oh, wicked. Um, oh, this is always the big one. I'm going to botch it and just kind of explain it casually. That's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's well, the, mechanically speaking, it's turn based, but all the turns happen simultaneously. So you can kind of think you're playing like a real time game, but anytime mm-hmm. you're not moving, you can kind of take your time and select who you're shooting and all that kind of stuff. But the game yeah. itself is. Uh, kind of you crash land on a dystopian cyberpunk world and uh, like an 80s action movie, your one goal is just to escape. And so you're trying to find a ship off or buy a ship off. Right. Um, and yeah, classic kind of isometric role-playing activity. A lot of dice rolling behind the scenes or front scenes if you're looking at your character sheet. Um, but really kind of a quick and snappy turn-based model. Um, very freeform kind of turn-based model to kind of bleed in and out of combat and non-combat. Yeah, um, yeah. 
I, I definitely want to jump into uh, one of the first things that hits you is just how great visually this game is. Like there's, and I can't wait to talk about all the cool mechanics and the the grittiness to it, but or like the you know the the RPG side to it. But like visually, I think it looks just awesome. It's got this dark back alley look. It's it, but you've done it in such a way that it, it feels still appealing and inviting, right? Um, which I think is very hard to do. But what inspired the art direction? Why is this world so dark and dreary in the first place, right? Yeah, uh, that was absolutely a, a kind of a challenge to get to. Um, it's, it looks very kind of lo-fi and stuff. Uh, there's, yeah. there's some interesting tech behind all that. And Hannah's done all the cool stuff. But as the goofy artist, <laughs> I can just talk about this now. So uh, sure. yeah, inspiration-wise, I guess we really wanted to keep it feeling uh, kind of like a grungy 80s action movie kind of you know sweaty robocop escape from new york kind of thing okay yeah, um, yeah. that's definitely like the plot influences a lot of that kind of stuff and so when we're able to have that visually reflect that we've tried we tried some like more comic-y clean styles with it and we liked where those mm. were going but it didn't have that kind of grit and sweat and grungy right. look to it so we really wanted to get make the world that this game takes place on not feel clean like it's so incredibly easy as an indie developer, I can tell you, like, there's so many, like, asset stores that you can go to and, like, pick up materials or, like, objects for, like, the things in your game. And it's so easy to make, like, a crisp-looking city street or, like, a slick kind of Star Trek-y sci-fi thing. Right. Dime a dozen. No problem. And it's pretty hard to get, like, grungy worlds that don't kind of, like, have the repeating kind of stuff or, like, I don't know, have textures that you, that kind of, like look completely uh filled with things it's not terribly common and our things are 3d but we try to have a lot of it look 2d um the sprites mm -hmm. are 2d and so we kind of had to have the 3d try to match that as well as possible so that kind of adds that grit too but yeah yeah i mean it really does blend in well with the idea of you know being so deeply rooted it seems in tabletop mechanics right it mm -hmm. it feels like that world could be kind of like obviously there's the whole you know it's it's more like uh eight bitty it, it has uh obviously the the visual element of a video game but it feels very much with that 2d 3d movement that it's like pieces on a board you know yeah that was definitely intentional uh, you know like the world is pretty much built up of tall enough walls where it kind of creates that line of sight the, that blocks your view and then there's like chest height walls and everything else is pretty much just flat or like stairwells and so it's kind of built to be you know when we design maps we do it you know flat like a how we would make a wargaming or a tabletop thing mm -hmm. and so transplanting that to this um was somewhat easy it, it gets a little more difficult because the rooms can overlap it is 3d the way we do it and so we can have like normal 3d buildings that you can go through and stuff but we definitely want to keep that kind of tabletop feel to it Right. Are you are you both big tabletop fans? Uh, yeah, not as much as you know we kind of used to be and stuff, but we like still dabbling, reading about I, new stuff that's happening. I feel like it's hard to have a hobby if you work on games. It's <laughs> a lot of walks, maybe. It's kind of our hobby to sound like a bunch of nerds, but <laughs> get out of the apartment for a little bit. I'm not looking at yeah, or sell the apartment. You know, whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just leave, yeah, for sure. Just leave. They're like, you know what? This has been a nice walk. Let's just sell the apartment and not go back. Yeah. <laughs> hey yeah, whatever works right <laughs> i mean hey if that if that gives you that mental break so you can come back and and work harder on the game whatever man sell the house do it do whatever, whatever you need right. absolutely 
<laughs> so I, I wanted to go uh, bringing us back to the game. I wanted to go and talk a little bit about kind of the, the story the that you briefly mentioned as far mm-hmm. as what's happening in this world. And I've I've looked at some some other interviews and I've looked at some other just like descriptions from things that uh, you know your game has had on the website, and it's honestly a little vague as far mm-hmm. as both the story and kind of the direction you're given at the start of the game. Um, you know, what was your, what was your reasoning behind, I guess, kind of like hiding this from people? Cause I, I think that there's so many good mechanics, but you know, a lot of people will try to, to sell their game by their, like their story or like, this is what happens. You know, there's not a lot of that from, from this game. Yeah. We're not huge on revealing that kind of stuff. And we've had some, some demos out, uh, that were kind of just there for marketing with some red right. herrings as to how things start. But, uh, essentially you and a few companions, uh, from, oh, I guess I can do a little backstory here. Sure. So there's like a big uh, kind of galactic scale war in the future, except everything's kind of horrible and humanity's kind of on the teetering edge of kind of just not existing anymore. They're kind of suffocating mm-hmm. under their own weight of bureaucracy and war and everything. It sounds and like a so, few years from now. Yeah, it's a good start uh, <laughs> where we're at now. So we're just almost there. But, you know, this is a good look into the into the next a few centuries or something. We never really classify a, a, a real timeline on it. It kind of doesn't uh-huh. matter. Um, right, right. But, you know, players can piece that together throughout the game. We have details too. But anyways, uh, so to kind of make the character selection um, a little more personal for the player to kind of be anywhere they want, um, a lot of like the wars are conducted by like these brains that kind of mind control their troops. And so you were you know, drafted along with scores and millions of other people from earth to fight right. these syndicates out in the, the far reaches of the galaxy. And you uh, are escaping with a few other people and you've just crashed on a syndicate operated world. So you're kind of behind enemy lines, but you're just like a deserter. You're trying to get off and you're trying to get a ship. And now you're trying to get off this planet. Right. Make your way. And so we kind of keep it as vague as possible. The character selection screen, uh, when you first create your character, allows you to do all sorts of weird like background jobs that you did back on earth and that kind of creates and builds your uh your tool set for what you can do in the game like any tabletop yeah. rpg but we kind of focus on those backgrounds so we didn't want to give your character like a a very finite thing that they've been doing prior to this you're essentially drafted we needed uh as a you know dungeon master kind of setting the stage here we just needed you to get on this kind of prison world and your only goal is to get off like we try to keep it kind of snappy but Gotcha. Gotcha. We needed those pieces in place for you to get to that point. Right. I I love the idea behind it. It also, and I don't know if there is in this game, but it sets it up for kind of a, your playthrough might be, you know, slightly or even incredibly different than another person's, right? Is there any room for that in this game? Like, you know, whether it be branching stories or kind of uh, an open, like choose your path as to how you get to get off that planet, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Um, uh, like from the get-go, one of the main things you can do um, is you can try to ally or kind of destroy these other kind of like small-time gangs that are in this city. And mm-hmm. if you like ally with one of them, that gives you like a pool of resources. You can hire their type of thug member if they're good at a certain something that you like, like sneaking or something. Um, right. You could hire them. But then like other gangs might not like you. And so we have a whole bunch of them. And that gives you kind of different strategies for companions to hire from these pools to hire from. And clearly people would definitely like 
cater towards whatever build your player character is, you're going to want to probably like get different gangs on your side. And then as far as, uh, I guess, getting off the, the whole, the, the, the objective of getting off the planet, there's definitely a few different ways of doing that. Um, it's one of those things that we asked ourselves, you are like snake Plissken or something. You just crashed down on this planet. How do you want to get off? And that's kind of what spawned a lot of the story elements for this is just figuring out like, what would a normal player want to do? Like, I, how about just steal a ship? And it's just like, yeah, sure, that's an option. You could probably beat the game pretty quick. We make it near impossible. But like, you know, there are those <laughs> things. It's just kind of, we try to keep it as open-ended as possible. Like, we don't want to tell the player what to do. They can do whatever they want. We just try to create its systems to, to kind of react to it in a somewhat logical way as best we can do. Gotcha. Keep it open-ended. Yeah. And and how, how uh, you know, I, I love the idea of open-ended and having the different play style. Like, how uh has been balancing that for the two of you because i think of like you know when i play a lot of these games uh with these like choices matter or having you know so deeply rooted in rpg mechanics i'll often go ways like uh you know being able to talk my way out of things or um being able to to sneak around like is there going to be you know especially at the start i feel like your character would be weak like is it going to be something where like yeah you could do that but you'll probably have to build up something like you'll have to sneak around or do whatever it might be to get to that point or can you just be like you know what i'm gonna go guns blazing right from the start and that's all i am yeah uh a lot of that has to probably do uh for our balancing at least um which is something you know that'll be probably fluctuating a lot right mm-hmm. until release um definitely right but- uh, we have stealth and sneaking and kind of uh, enemies being able to do lots of uh, like running to your last known position, calling for help. A lot of this is operating on like you sneaking into bases where people are communicating. And so it's kind of get that Metal Gear Solid or something. It ha- kind of has like a feel that you're not supposed to be there. And a lot of this uh, combat in the game or sneaking around does revolve around um, like taking cover luring people away, kind of kiting people. Or right. if you have those companions, you can have squads of, I think, up to like 15 companions right now, depending on your stats wow. and how many you can control. And so you can kind of use them tactically too, just as like, you know, meat shields, or you can like have them flank and stuff like that. Yeah. So we kind yeah. of have like a very tactical layout. And so as far as like power scaling, you don't get incredibly powerful in the game. You get better at like aiming and you can get some utility skills out of it. But pretty much a, a bullet to your head throughout any point in the game is going to be pretty devastating. Um, and that goes with enemies, too. And so it's not like at the end of the, like a normal RPG or something where you can just get like a full round clip to your face and just be like, ah, that's okay. I got level five. And it's just like, okay, that, okay, you know, game's power scale. That's fine. Right. Uh, but we thought it would be fun if we have all these tactics, like taking cover and stuff like that, if instead it's more based off your tactics and throughout the game, your power scaling, like your opportunities to utilize the companions from those gangs that you've conquered or these different weird items that you've stolen from, you know, syndicate bases or these underground caverns that used to be there and stuff. Gotcha. Um, But it is difficult, of course, scaling an open-ended game. You kind of don't, we're not, we're not too terribly concerned about kind of balancing it. Like if you get, like I said, like if you get that grenade, it's probably going to be a good source of solving any problem or like a rocket launcher or something. Like what if I shoot that at the big syndicate agent that's chasing me? Like, well, he's going to blow up. Like, don't worry about it. Like do what you think is going to work. It probably will, but we make it so the player can also really easily die. And so a lot of it's kind of doing recon and getting the right information to actually accomplish your goals. Getting yeah. into syndicate bases and stuff. So. It, I, that almost makes it easier, don't we? 
For sure. I, I love <laughs> two of the points that I thought are so hilarious is just I love the quote of you being like, yeah, a bullet to your head would be detrimental. Like, hmm, yeah, that seems realistic. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but I, I I do enjoy the uh, like the more uh, um, I guess real answer of this. I do enjoy the uh, idea of not balancing in some regards. Obviously, there's balancing, right? You're not doing nothing. Mm-hmm. But I do right. like the approach of sometimes, and I've seen people who who will do this from a development standpoint, who will just be like, "Well, let's see what happens," and then you know you get to play it, and you're like, "Oh, that actually works, right?" Like sometimes you don't have to take an approach of like. I know the answer. Like sometimes the game will tell you the answer or people will tell you the answer of like the, you know, the the value in play testing. So like there's some degree of like just let it let it be and see if it it sucks. And if it sucks, change it. And if it doesn't, then like, hey, you got a you got a good mechanic there, right? Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, this is like a, a video game in the goofiest sense. And I think a lot of RPGs suffer from trying to have like a balancing method that for every every powerful object or like action you can do there's like a counter thing mm-hmm. you can do. it's just like i get it that's extremely abstract and very like board gamey right um not something not something whale nut does so yeah we uh we try to keep it pretty loose a little more simulation uh, that yeah. has its own uh, you're kind of getting at that it has its own kind of emergent gameplay that you can't get with those more structured systems right right um, like I, the other day we were having somebody look at it and they were confused at why all their companions were running around a battlefield. They just uh, killed a bunch of thug members and then they were like crouching down and then they were going to another body and crouching down. It's like, what are they doing? Cause they keep getting like bigger guns. And it's just like, Oh, they're looting the bodies and now they all have weapons. And it's just like, well, that's easy. Now we can just keep going on. Like I don't have to go back to the base and heal or anything. So right. it kind of just works in your favor. Like we could set up a system where, they can only use certain things, but it's just like, I don't know. I just picked up this weirdo off the street. Give him a rocket launcher. He's fine. <laughs> He'll figure it out. It's it fine. adds. I don't, I don't care what people do. Yeah. It adds the that wild card element to the game that uh, you, you just, you don't see in a lot of, of other types that I definitely enjoy. Um, let's, let's take a back, uh, a pedal back on, I want to touch on the fact that there's, you know, playing your own way or role playing or going into a little bit more of that character customization side. Mm-hmm. You talked about setting up jobs. You talked about having, you know, these different skills that you could spec into. Like, how 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 deep can I go from like a role playing perspective? You know, like, am I really building my own specific character that is this just like crazy customized story? Like, what are the main pieces that I have at my uh, disposal here to create? Uh, a character okay so the only thing as our the digital dungeon masters that we'll kind of consider ourselves here the only thing okay. that we want to tell the player is like you're crashing down on this planet um you're a bunch of deserters from a, a war that you would have died in momentarily the only your only purpose is to be an 80s action hero and escape <laughs> so when you get to character selection screen you can choose what you did back on earth um be a doctor could have been anything and that influences some of those roles for like medical um you could like be like a hacker if you Mm -hmm. were like a desk jockey back on earth and did like computer programming or something so they kind of influence all like the cool things you could do with those kind of you know more boring jobs um, that everybody actually has Um, (laughs) but then as far as like uh we we kind of have a 
D6 system, uh, not exactly for like damage and everything, but we have pools of, of uh, D6 that you roll for everything you do in the game from hacking mm-hmm. to shooting and aiming um, to socialing somebody on the street to have them join your party or something. And we have a, a pretty lengthy list of all those options and you can create pretty unique characters out of that um, as far as like how you want to actually play the game. And like I said, you can, you can absolutely be like a very weak um, physically weak person. Um, we have like virtues that kind of act as normal stats and mm-hmm. RPGs, but uh, like if you have no muscle mass or something and yeah. you have a bunch of like intelligence and all that kind of stuff, um, you could easily beat the game. You'd probably just need, you know, you need to get those companions or you need to look around the street for a little bit before you start attacking people, wait for thugs to beat each other up and drop their own weapons, kind of steal those <laughs> off of them because the city is kind of like in a perpetual state of rioting. And so you can just kind of like wait around and grab stuff. And then from there, you know, you just need to find enough companions and you can be the big brains in the group and everybody else can just be your own meat shields. And yeah. Okay. Try to, you know, we try to give people the, the outs to, to kind of do whatever they want with their characters. That's awesome. It's a little fun coming up with, um, ways for, uh, what's usually like utility skills to, to have offensive options as well. Like, right. Let's see, we have like repair and uh, we're actually just finishing implementing this um, this week. But um, usually your weapons all have pretty low durability and they're all kind of crummy. And so they can mm-hmm. break um, pretty easily. And so you're kind of swapping through inventory a lot as you're picking things up. So we make that pretty, uh, pretty common to happen. But if you're really like a weapon or something, you could repair it. But then uh, we try to think of ways like what's the offensive version of repair. And it's just like, well, maybe you make little drones. And so you can actually uh, have these little repair kits that you can click on little items just on the ground in the world. And they, they get like little spider legs and then they kind of follow you around. You turn it. A- <laughs> so That's very cool. We try to make yeah. it. So each, each of the uh, normally non-offensive abilities have some way for you to, to get out of a bad situation if you need to. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I like the idea of having, you know, the, <sighs> There's a lot of thought that has to go into games when it comes to not playing just guns blazing. Like I think it's it's easy yeah. to just be like, yeah, you you have guns or you're stronger or physically able to to fight. But when you're like, okay, well, how do we make this smart person uh, think of a way to to get through uh, a city that is in perpetual riot state? That exactly. is right. That's much tougher to think mm-hmm. of creatively because you have to be like, all right, well what what would they actually do mm-hmm. yeah, you think of a lot of games where they have that kind of as an option like you know, think of like the original fallouts or something like you know you do small arms and, and whatever the social equivalent is in that game but it's just like you can do the whole game maybe by just talking to people but then you have to ask yourself like is this fun like I don't <laughs> you didn't make it to be that fun like it's possible it's a check mark but eh. Yeah, but yeah. you know, at the end of the day, this is supposed to be kind of a, an actiony thing. So, um, so probably no pacifist runs. There is not. Ooh, there could be a way to pass. I mean, our big crutch is the sneaking element, and so you right. can do most of the things in the game while sneaking around and not attacking people because it's a good way of not, you know, alerting the base and having to drag bodies and stuff. But yeah. You also have like knockout abilities where you can bonk people. So. Uh-huh, it could be Batman. All right. You could pacifist. No, absolutely. <laughs> In a very like, I'm going to break your bones kind of way, but not kill you. Yeah, like Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Just teach him a lesson, right? <laughs> How dare you walk again? 
<laughs> so okay um speaking of of uh breaking people's bones and them not doing anything uh you had this this video commentary of basically you playing the game and i think hannah was was oh, uh, yeah. just commentating on on what was happening in it mm-hmm. um and I, I think it came out in like july or something like that uh I, i'm sure some things have changed since but there was this interesting moment uh where right at the start you were driving a car and you hit a couple of hooded figures and then got out of the car and they just were like, yeah, that's cool. Like, do, do civilians attack? Do they fight back? They <laughs> they, uh, they definitely run away now. Uh, okay. We have, we have a couple of systems in place for that because obviously uh, well, keeping them off the middle of the road was also a goal. Uh, I think we just had them wandering at that point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've siphoned them to as, as sidewalk areas as possible at this point. But, uh, oh yeah, civilians can get into their own combat scenarios. Um, you can you can also talk to them to like have them join you um, for kind of low-key companions if you can social them or bribe them with like cigarettes or something. Okay. Uh, but we also have, uh, at this point, uh, I don't think it was in that video, but we have these giant kind of drones that was like the big police state there is this uh, syndicate called MFI, this very ominous logo and everything. And Uh uh like throughout the city but they have these kind of like drones that kind of like float around the city on on car uh car patrol routes and uh if they see if they see somebody get hit or if the player you know starts shooting or something or if civilians start shooting each other they send in uh these goons of these equivalent of police officers that uh kill everybody in the area and stuff so there is some consequence to that and then if the player uh does kill too many civilians or socials too too many civilians and that area of the city isn't uh, isn't doing too hot. You can kind of like read the meters uh, in one of the in one of the uh, terminal sheets that kind of gives an outline of the city, almost like a risk map. Uh, there's like a total area for the neighborhoods, and if those civilians are dying too much, they start to just become filled with hostile kind of thugs instead. Oh, so the, okay. So the player does not, you know, there's some incentive not to just be an absolute psychopath. The city's going to be <laughs> a little less fun to drive through without getting shot at. Yeah, yeah. So it's an easy reaction to a player being, you know, the obvious thing for a player to do is just to be crazy. Um, so we try to deter that just a little bit, and it's an easy yeah. way of doing it. And then they can uh, give right, money so to another syndicate, and that kind of boosts it back up for everybody to be happy again. So, gotcha. So driving is important, basically. Yeah, the city's sizable enough to to warrant a car. That was kind of the goal. It's not like humongous or anything. We don't want to waste people's time driving from one end to a city to another. But uh, there's right, some interesting right. driving routes and stuff. Yeah. I, I did want to talk about driving uh, a little bit because I enjoy the fact that this is a turn-based game that is based on when you move, other people move, right? So you mm-hmm. can sit there and you could really think about it or you can go a little bit faster and it'll kind of seem like it's real time. When you were playing, there were moments in that video where I was like, I forgot it was a turn-based game until you would like open a menu or something like that. Um, but the one thing that I, I was interested in was is that turn-based only when say something like you're you're in a, a, a fight or or are there like certain times where it's like okay now it's turn-based and other times it's it's real time it's always we've gone back and forth on that this is kind of a i don't want to say it's a, a new model but it's different enough i can't really compare it to anything else um uh-huh. and so we've been kind of flying by the seat of our pants here trying to figure it out but <laughs> uh for a while we had it like activate uh, you know, turn-based mode or whatever whenever right. you were like caught doing something and it's like okay. that is helpful 
But then like, while you're driving around on the street and say, you you know, cruise through somebody or something and a, a gang member is like, Hey, you know, I'm going to start to attack you now. It would like stop you. And now you'd be in like turn-based driving. And so we tried yeah. to clean that up and just have it. So anytime there is a hostile person on the screen that is trying to attack you, that is turn-based mode. Um, gotcha. Okay. We could make it so the player could activate it too, if there's a, there's a reason for that but so far there really hasn't been it's it's pretty uh it's pretty easy to navigate around um, gotcha gotcha go yeah I, I thought that part was interesting because i was watching it and i was like man this is really really fast paced from the part of you driving and then i started thinking about it well turn-based driving would probably feel awful <laughs> like i can't <laughs> i can't imagine being like oh let me click 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 like, yeah the turn-based driving uh we, we had done that a few different ways right now we have it so you essentially just pathfind uh in like a straight gotcha. line to an area uh-huh. it's pretty simple and it's good you can get your car can blow up pretty easily so if you're turn-based driving it usually means you're in a pretty dangerous situation mm-hmm. okay that makes sense yeah. um I I was just curious, but I'm I'm glad to hear that there's a little bit more uh, behind the scenes when it comes to the turn-based and real-time uh, effect. That was a um, challenge to figure all that out for sure. I yeah, I can imagine. Uh, I wanted to talk about something that I saw in the video, and I don't know. Obviously, like I said, things have probably changed, um, but I, I I doubt this one has. Um, it was mentioned that there's no way to essentially save scum in this game. Uh, is one, is that still the case where you aren't able to, you know, make it so you save before you do one of these roles where choices really matter? Uh, and two, if that is the case, what was kind of your thought process on, on keeping that system? There is a little, there's a little demon on our shoulder every day that says, are you guys sure on that? And we are I'm sticking sure. to our guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right I'm now, sure. our plan is, I mean, it's not a, it, it's, it's been done a million times, of course, like, uh, you know, games with permanent death, like a roguelike or something, mm-hmm, already mm-hmm. have a system in place like this. The, the only difference is, is ours is kind of more of a perma life, I guess. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, because uh, how, you know, that was one of my biggest questions was, how does impact, or how does death impact this game? Because... If I die, right, is my entire run over? Do I have to start back at me landing on this planet? Well, this was this was us in that in our frantic DM mode of telling the player everything is they've crash landed on this planet as a bunch of deserters, and you have a doctor with you, a field mm. medic who comes and scoops up your body whenever he needs to. Okay. Um, and so the difference there is uh, time passes because you have to get healed back at your base, and then within that time passing, that means a base could be replenished with whatever kind of gang or syndicate uh troops were there and so there's kind of a low-key penalty there of course all your ammo that you used is gone and any locks that you jammed because you didn't break them permanent Mm -hmm. um it's kind of the best of both worlds uh we have like a essentially like a town portal from diablo 2 or diablo or something system you can uh kind of warp back to a position um and so your deaths could be pretty quick from a player perspective but those people might have respawned and everything Okay. Okay. As far as that's uh, role playing those, it's, it's always a difficult challenge with, um, I, guess, I think like tabletop style role playing RPG, like CRPGs or whatever for the computer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They often become less like video games. Uh, it's because you can kind of like save scrum your way through it. Like, oh, I'm going to keep doing this battle or I, 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 right. I won this fight, right. but one of my guys died. Like, I'm going to try it again. It's just like, when is this fun? Like, I guess you're having fun. You're, you're 
metagaming it as much as possible to get the best outcome. But really, that's the game? Like, how weird. And I love those games. Like, we, you know, yeah. this game is uh, Fallout, is our, or is it Fallout 1 is our, our main inspiration, and that game's I'm glad to treasure, hear that. and I love it. Um, but it is a weird problem that is unique to kind of a CRPG genre, that they become less like games and more just like things you putz with for the outcome you like. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a, a tough balancing act because I can imagine that some people are going to hear this and be like, well, I don't want to play it, right? Because they can't save scum or because they're, they get that anxiety of like, I don't want to screw up and screw up mm-hmm. forever, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, you mentioned that is it really worth it to just have them constantly save and reload, save and reload, save and reload. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I hope players don't even think about it. Um, we, of course, want people to have fun. And, and for us, like, this is fun. Like, I'm thinking in the top of my head here, it's just like, what do we play? Ann and I play, like, Diablo 2 sometimes um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the past few years just for, you know, whatever. The game's stupid, but it's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you don't think about the saving system. It saves when you quit. It's perpetually saving. When you die, you're, you run back to your corpse. I mean, ours is a little more uh, simulation-y than that. But right, you just right. don't really think about it. It's okay. And then you get into situations where you're uh, having some difficulty getting back to your, your loot pile or whatever. And, uh, it creates fun. It creates fun, emergent kind of gameplay by, by messing up and you're not thinking about it. Or when I'm playing Zelda or something. I don't really think about saving. It's just I'm playing the game. I don't know. Right. Saving right. such a weird thing. But yeah, yeah it's, I don't know. People get into it. It's definitely interesting because I think it's more of just deeply rooted in the genre itself, mm-hmm. right? It's not as much you kind of, you know, mentioned it that playing a game like Zelda, I yeah, I wouldn't think of saving either. Although there I mean there are save points, but it's not as as vital because death in that game doesn't seem as impactful, right? Mm-hmm. You fail and it's something where you just go okay well now i have more knowledge to possibly beat the boss this time or whatever mm-hmm. it might be whereas in this game i i feel like you're you're trying to to gain that same element and it seems like with i was more worried that seeing that i can't save scum i would get into a situation where i'd die and i'd be like well my run is over and i have to start back at however many hours <laughs> i lost but it, in that case it doesn't seem as detrimental to an extreme of well, I didn't lose everything, but these gangsters or these mobsters or whoever might be here again and I have to take care of them however I do that. Yeah, I mean, that you lose your ammo and those guys respawn and stuff. And, right, you know, you, right. you can rapid fire that waypoint location and you can pop back there pretty quickly. But Gotcha. Is there is there any detrimental side to time passing other than people coming back? Is there, I'm thinking of something to the nature of like, a countdown where if you spent too long on this planet you are old and you died like right i, I that that thought has absolutely crossed our mind because there's the the ticking clock element here is that uh the military that you escaped from the the earth collective the, the earth guys are coming back um mm-hmm. to this planet um that you were on a fight and then you just you bolted into a the other side of it um the, the idea is they're coming back and are probably just going to wipe out the whole planet from from orbit, and so there is that kind of ticking clock element. Uh, we could pull the the Fallout One mutants are going to just wipe everything, and they actually do it throughout the game, and it's great. Uh, <laughs> we don't currently have that in because we don't want another kind of clock timing element. It really wouldn't mm. make a difference to gameplay besides just making things harder. Is that it? 
I, again, it might be more frustration. Um, yeah, real, yeah, realistic yeah. as it might be, but it's always one of those interesting elements that you could add in. Fallout was definitely designed with that system in mind. You're supposed to go to every little node or every town, figure out everything you can and how to get to the water chip, and then you go to the next one. And so it's very like you're supposed to do everything possible before moving on. And in ours, it's a little more free form where you can just hang around, you know, scoot around the city as much as you want. Right, really right. Yeah, I think, I think if you did have that system, it'd probably seem more fair if there was a saving element to the game. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I mean, it's it's your game, and if you want it to be harder, like that's what you, you do. <laughs> yeah, definitely one or the other. Too much of that, it's going to be like, oh my gosh, so much to consider with every little with every little turn you take, and it's just right. like, no, no, don't worry about it. You're fine. But I'm sure you'd find uh, an audience that would love that. <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> probably. Oh my goodness. That being said, um, I, I am looking so forward to this game. Uh, and I see in a lot of different uh, videos and things on your website, the words coming soon are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I know you're not going to give me an exact date. That would be crazy. Uh, but you know, can we expect it sometime this year? You can expect it soon. Soon. It is coming. I love it. Those are accurate labels. (laughs) Those are, oh, thank you so much. Well, I'm going to say soon is tomorrow. So am I right? (laughs) Ooh, uh, you know what? Depending on when this goes live, it might be. (laughs) (laughs) I am very excited by that answer. Um, uh, that that being said, you know how how is development going, right? Like, how is the process? Uh, are you getting closer to you know at this point, just kind of tightening up some loose ends, or are there some major pieces that are still going into it at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's we're definitely wrapping everything up at this point. Um, uh, to give our our garage band style company another uh, <laughs> another take here. <laughs> Uh, we like to have a lot of pieces available and we kind of are putting them all together um, yeah. doing that for a little bit and kind of shaping, um, shaping everything. And, and we like, we like where that's at now. And so we're just finishing that up. Um, it's like having a giant Lego pile over the past, past couple of years. And now we're kind of finally piecing it all how we will, how we liked it. <laughs> Must feel so rewarding at this point then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Uh, it allows <laughs> us to really putz around and. And, and make those iterations as needed and everything. So. That's awesome. Um, I have one final question. I love to ask this of everyone who comes on the show, but I thoroughly enjoy hearing advice from people who are in your spot. So those who have either been working on games or uh, have you know already released games, wherever you're at in uh, in the life cycle of, of game making, I'd love to hear some personal advice of things that you've learned along the way oh geez um i don't know if i i don't know if i gave myself a really good point to stand on considering i'm still calling our company since 2013 kind of a garage band but (laughs) uh, it's it's totally fine you're you're still making uh video games you're getting them out there i (laughs) am going to give you some credit and say mecha jammer is going to be a banger uh, oh, and so man. then it, of course, and then, you know, it doesn't matter what your perception is. Other people will see it as a, as a fully fledged professional studio that creates great games, right? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Any advice? Uh, you know, now never comes again. 
do a little Star Trek. Uh, just just get out there and start making stuff. I don't know. It's fun. Um, it's fun. I like it. We, when we started out in 2013, the indie scene was a little different. It was kind of, uh, we, we started our first kind of stuff for just some mobile kind of goofy stuff. And right. we went into the computer thing after that for Mac and PC. But um, yeah, you know, if you want to, if you have the, if you have the means to, to really putz, uh, a lot of people do this uh, part-time. Yeah. And then that kind of transforms into something. And most indie companies out there, you know, like you, uh, you referred to this as, you know, uh, I'm the developer of this. And, you know, that's true. It, it's, it's mainly Hannah. I just kind of goop around with art stuff. But, uh, you know, we, we even hire out audio people. Like, no indie company is really made by one person. Yeah. Most people contract tons of people, but it's like, you know, this is so and so's game. And it's, you know, that's, that's easy to say and, and everything, but a lot of indie companies are actually just, you know, we're small businesses. It's not a big deal. So have some friends and, you know, try to, try to get a bunch of people and make something. It's fun. I don't know. They're video games. Not yeah. a big deal. It's just entertainment, but you know, we're just goofing around on my end of things and it's easy to do. Um, have a plan. Uh, a lot of people get the advice of doing something really small and easy yeah. and that, will always be fun and the case, but, you know, try to make something big too. you know, shoot for something in scope. That's usually our problem, but, um, <laughs> yeah, be, you know, be... get, get wild with it, do something weird and big and see what you can do. Yeah. It can be a blessing and a curse. And I love the idea of uh, having one person saying it's their game, but having so many other people help and produce and put mm -hmm. love and care into that work we've had a lot of discussions on our regular weekly show about what a solo developer really means because in a lot of cases it it doesn't mean what it it you know actually is defined as because it's not just them working on it it's multiple mm -hmm. people but uh i wouldn't i wouldn't count yourself out i would say even if you're just doing the art you're still helping develop uh, i oh. think development <laughs> development course, Throwing myself is, under the bus here for no reason. Yeah, but. I know, I know, I I can see that. I've we've spent about uh, fifty minutes almost now of of this of you belittling the great work that you're doing. So I'm trying to raise you up. Oh, hey, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on. For oh. those listening, Mecha Jammer is currently in development, but you know this is this is definitely one you'll want to keep an eye on and like. Like we said, this could be coming soon, as in possibly tomorrow. Who knows? I yes. I don't know, but it's it's soon. That is uh, not that is I can't take that off the table. That's not inaccurate. It is definitely soon, and hopefully by the time this comes out, it is out. We'll, we'll see. But if it's not, and even if it is, go over to their Steam page. Make sure you wishlist the game, or if it's out, buy it. Of course, um, help them out though. Wishlisting obviously helps for discoverability, and buying the game will help them because then they can, you know, feed themselves. Uh, but once again, thank you yeah. so much for coming on today. Best of luck with the game. Well, thanks a lot, Josh.